Recent data indicates that men are taking better care of themselves these days, but are they really? Well, the answer could be yes and no, and that's according to a new survey released by the American Academy of Family Physicians. The survey was fielded to gauge change since 2007, although nearly half of men say their health is good or excellent. Up from 2007, more men have been diagnosed with a chronic condition since then. The survey of men's health is very interesting, and we have an expert with us on primary care today on ReachMD who I think you're going to enjoy hearing from. That is John Meggs. Dr. John Meggs is the president-elect of the American Academy of Family Physicians. He's here to talk about this topic. Dr. Meggs is a family physician in Centerville, Alabama. As I said, he is president-elect. He served in the AFP for many years in different roles, and he advocates on behalf of family physicians. Dr. Meggs, you have a a friendly audience in our show because Primary Care Today is a show based for primary care physicians, and a lot of family docs and the AAFP members listen. So first of all, welcome and congratulations to you on uh, your upcoming, uh, I guess, upcoming work, right? (laughs) Yes, thank you. Great. It's great to be with you. Looking forward to it. Let's talk about men's health. I know it's an interest of yours, and, you know, one study says it's good. Others say maybe it's not so good. What's your take? Well, according to our survey, you know, half of all men think they're in either excellent or good uh, health, but just because you don't feel sick doesn't necessarily mean you're truly healthy. The survey also showed that half of all men have at least one chronic health condition, and the two big ones are high blood pressure and diabetes. One in three men now have high blood pressure. One in five is diabetic. The diabetes number, that's almost double what it was when we did this survey uh, in 2007. So in just that nine, ten-year period, we've seen a doubling of the rate of diabetes, which is very concerning. And with the high blood pressure and diabetes, those can be silent. You may not have any symptoms. So even though you may think you're healthy, you may not be. That's why you need that relationship with a trusted family physician that knows you, knows your health history, your family history, and can work with you to help you either stay healthy or get healthier and live a longer productive life. You know, you're talking about conditions that obviously are based on lifestyle. They're chronic in nature. I mean, the more we learn about type 2 diabetes, as we call it, the, the more we realize it's a path that just continues over time and kind of get that metabolic syndrome and you slip into a little high blood pressure and you move on and on as you gain weight. It isn't something that jumps on people all at once. It's it's something that, as you say, is is based on lifestyle and making changes. Um, at, you We were in practice for many years uh, in reading your bio from 1982 to 2013 in your hometown. Um, you had your own private practice. And so you've seen a lot of people and you've watched them grow and, and move through life. Where are the best points to get in there and try to intervene and make changes for men's health? Well, you know, for me, having that long-term relationship with a patient uh, is extremely important. And I think if uh, men or anybody is able to have that uh, trusted relationship with a family physician that they know and knows them, knows their family, I think that's where we have the opportunity to pick up on things that are different, pick up on things we need to address. You know, I saw a patient just last week who uh, was in the office, and we were, you know, doing the usual uh, question and answer, and he said, you know, he didn't have any chronic health conditions, and his family was always healthy. Well, I've been taking care of them for 20, 30 years. I knew his 
father had a heart attack 20 years ago. His mother was a diabetic. I took care of his grandmother in the nursing home after she had a stroke. So I knew his past history better than he did. And I think that shows the value of having that ongoing trusted relationship with a family physician. One of the roles I have besides being chair of my family medicine department is I'm chief medical information officer. So I'm involved with our whole inpatient and outpatient uh, ambulatory and inpatient EMR. And one of the things I see as they build these models more and more, they're talking about the hospitalist, you know, the family physician on the outside, the, the fact that in many cases it doesn't cross over. What do you think about that and, and the continuity of care? Do you think we're ever going to get back to the way it was? Is this a phase? Is this a better thing than we had before? What's your take? Well, I still think that the comprehensive care, the ongoing continuous care is where you have uh, the most impact and where you uh, actually do a better job of controlling uh, costs for patients you know and for uh, leading them into healthier lifestyles. I still have uh, inpatient service. I still see patients in the nursing home. So uh, that full spectrum of care, I think there is still some value there. There is the issue with the hospitalist and that fragmentation of care. If you don't have good transfer of information when somebody leaves the hospital and gets back to their primary care physician, I think it, call, it it results in problems, you know, either duplication or you miss something because you didn't get the discharge summary, you didn't get all the test results, and the patient's back in your office, and you're not really sure what happened to them in the hospital. That leads to problems. So even if we do use a hospital system, uh, there needs to be that communication between uh, the primary care physician and the hospital-based physician Hopefully we can eventually get these uh, electronic health records where they'll talk to each other and we'll have access to information. So we can do that comprehensive care. You know, the other part of primary care or family medicine that's so important is even if you don't do all the care, you should coordinate the care. You should be the one who knows all the pieces of the puzzle. You're the one who manages the whole person. You know, family physicians, that's what we do. We are the specialists who specialize in the person, not a particular disease or body part. And But to be able to do that effectively, you have to have all the information. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. I'm your host, speaking with Dr. John Meggs. Dr. Meggs is president-elect of the American Academy of Family Physicians. The AAFP represents 120,000 physicians and medical students nationwide. He was elected to the position by the Congress of Delegates during the annual meeting. And um, in that role, certainly you're going to have a voice where you're going to be heard and and, and be able to talk about a lot of issues. Today we're talking primarily about men's health. One of the issues with men's health is, at least I know, is a lot of men don't come to the doctor that often. I mean, they, they tend to come maybe if they have certain symptoms of this or that, but you know, you may not even see them despite your best attempts in their 20s and 30s for, for long periods of time. How do you kind of overcome that and, and get to see them and give them some of the counseling they need? Well, you hit on a couple of very important points there. You know, that survey we did showed that, you know, men are reluctant to go to the doctor. Men, uh, some of them seem to have the belief that unless they're very sick uh, or they don't 
feel bad, they don't have any reason to go to the doctor. But uh, we know that, I use the example of your automobile. If you don't change the oil, have your car serviced, do the preventive maintenance, that car is not going to run as efficiently or for as long as you would like for it to. The same thing with your health. If you don't do the things you need to do to keep yourself going, you're not going to run as efficiently or effectively or as long as you would like to if you don't take care of yourself. So what you're trying to do is, I guess, you you reach out to them in your practice and just kind of give them updates and, and let them know what's going on. Do you, do you reach out to their wives or their significant others? What's, what's your best way to get them in? You know, 80% of men in our survey end up coming in for health care because of their wife, their girlfriend, their significant other that has, you know, made an appointment. Many a time I'll have a man in my office uh, who said, you know, my wife made this appointment for me, and she said, I better show up. And, um, but whatever it takes to get somebody into the office sometimes. And a lot of times, as you well know, a man doesn't like to admit he has a problem, and he sort of expects us to draw it out of him. And I still think if you've got that long-term relationship with somebody, you're more able to recognize you know, something's bothering him, you're I call it the antenna. When your antenna goes off and you know, you know, this guy is 45 years old. I haven't seen him in five years. And he's now in my office telling me he's got a sore throat. That's not why he's in there. There's something else going on, and I do my best to try to uh, get to the bottom of what's his real concern. What's his fear? Most times there's a fear. Uh, was it because his high school classmate dropped dead and all of a sudden his own mortality dawned on him, but whatever it is, I go back to what I've already said, but that ongoing relationship with a family physician that knows you, knows your health, knows your family health, knows your history, that's your best source of care for preventive health and long-term maintenance of the human organism. You know, reading your bio, going through things, I mean, you've been with the AAFP in different roles since 1979 and various committees and things. Obviously, in those types of roles, you have a chance to to get politically involved, to see what's going on in your new role as president. You clearly are going to be getting politically involved. What are we doing right and wrong now, as you see, as as a family doctor? What are the things we should return to? Are there things we should escape and move forward? What What do you think the key issues are as you see them? Well, I think we need to keep doing what we do. You know, family medicine, we are the specialty that takes care of the whole person, cradle to grave, all ages, all uh, sexes, all conditions. We don't isolate ourselves and take care of just one particular body part, one particular organ or organ system. We see the patient in his total context, even in the context of the community where he lives. And I think that is something very valuable that we don't need uh, to lose. Now, going forward, we've seen the rise of the medical home and team-based care, and that's fine. A lot of times you can get a lot of things done with your team, but you need that physician-directed team who, yes, use the ancillary services, use the other folks, whether it's the mental health counselors, the dietitians, the nurse practitioners, the physical therapist, but you need a physician who knows you and your condition, who directs your care, directs that team to do everything they can to help 
keep you healthy. There are those who say that because of government intervention, financial things, laws, all the different things that physicians face, that a, a private practice can't exist because a doctor has to support seven or eight other people because of all the other people who kind of have their fingers in the pie. Do you see that as true, or do you see it as, as a barrier? What's your take? I think that is a barrier. That is a problem with... Uh, it's difficult for somebody, especially in the fee-for-service world, but as we move toward the alternative payment models uh, where you're paid for value versus being paid for volume, I think the potential is there for us to be able to have those additional resources we need to do the job we would need to do. As I'm sure you're aware, with the elimination of the SGR a year and a half ago and the government passing the uh, Medicare Access and CHIP Reauthorization Act, uh, there are going to be changes in the way we're paid, hopefully moving more toward a value-based system where you're paid more for keeping somebody healthy versus being paid just for all the things you do. Uh, that's, that's a major shift. I think right now we're in that transformational period going from one system to the other, and it's got a lot of people scared, confused, wondering you know, change is difficult sometimes, but if we can get through the process, I think we will all be better off coming out the other end. So you're optimistic, for instance, when you look at the ACO models and you look at macro and those things, you're optimistic it will be a brighter, better day? There is the potential. Well, I mean, it's got to be done right. There's still some problems. Nothing that's not perfect. But if you realize that family physicians, we are the ones who have provided the continuity, the comprehensiveness, and if we are as efficient as we feel like we are, then as we move to new models of care and of new models of payment, we should be all right. I mean, it's uh, if we're the ones that have been taking care of folks and we know people, and by knowing them, we don't have to duplicate a lot of tests when they go from one place to A to B to C, and if you've got the if you're the central repository of all of a patient's information, so you have access to all of that and can coordinate the care, it should be a more efficient system. And if you're more efficient, you ought to do better. Is there something we didn't talk about, some piece of advice, something you'd like to tell our physician audience that um, you'd like to leave them with? I think men need that relationship with a trusted professional, hopefully a family physician that knows them and their history, family history. If you don't have that relationship, look for it. It's very valuable and it'll help you live a healthier life in the long term. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primary care today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more on the series. Thank you for listening. And Dr. Meigs, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you. Enjoyed it.